0: This, this, this is straight Tra- straight straight out of Crumpton with your host Greg Crumpton.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Gabby Barr, and I am joined by Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, how are you today?
2: I feel like I'm kind of getting a new life. I've been under the weather for two freaking weeks. I don't know if I had the vid or what, but uh, man. Feels good to be breathing. Sun's out. It's a uh, beautiful, just loving life. I'm very glad to be here. We have a guest today that uh, I'm really looking forward to chatting with. I've been following and communicating with him for a while now, but we've never been able to, to pin him down, but we've got him today. We're going to wrestle him to the mat.
1: Fantastic. Well, I am happy to introduce construction community's very own Jesse Hernandez. Jesse, how are you today?
0: I am fantabulous. That's how I am. I just got to drive through the hill country down here and from Kerrville back to San Antonio this morning and got to hang out with an amazing construction team, which is one of those interesting things, right? No one ever said construction was full of so many really just real, caring committed people, but everywhere I go, I seem to find them.
2: Well, Jesse, I, I don't even know how to jump in after that heading that Gabby gave you, the, the construction community is very own. I feel like I'm speaking to royalty almost, so I'll, I'll be guarded. I'll be guarded with my words today. You know, whenever I get to go out with our teams and meet people or on job sites, it's always refreshing to come away and know that our brethren and, and sisterin are just solid people, good people, up early, doing the right thing, trying to keep our country moving forward, and providing for them, for their families, and for themselves, and just BSing and cutting up and having a good time all before daylight. So good yep. stuff, Jesse. Before we get going too much, uh, we always like to just you know kind of break the ice a little bit and let you tell us a little bit about you and how you and I came to be on a podcast today, and just kind of a little bit of the backstory of uh, of what Jesse's all about.
0: Yes, yes, thank you. Well, I'll start with when I entered the construction industry. so 95 got a summer job to save money to pay for room and board at Tyler Junior College. I figured out like I love like the job site was where I belonged. It was the only place that I wasn't getting in trouble for what was natural to me, like my energy and all the weird all my ticks, all the stuff I have. Uh, my dad's a plumber. Got me, I got that summer job and decided I want to do this. Got myself in an apprenticeship program, completed the apprenticeship. And along the way, I found an appetite for leadership. Mostly at first, it was complaining about the leadership I was working with. Eventually, I got, you know I complained enough. It was kind of like the water jug problem, right? When I, The guy that complains about the water being warm, they become responsible for bringing the damn ice. So that was my situation. I complained about them and they said, all right, well, let's see what you got. Luckily, I I was fortunate to work with an amazing organization at the time that really did have a leadership development program in place and they nurtured whatever gripes and and talent I had at the time. Then led to lean construction, specifically the last planner system, which actually helped me discover potential and talent that I didn't even know I had uh, because I stopped getting in my way after applying the stuff. Then, you know, having been an installer, then a foreman, then a superintendent, I lived through the pain of like, just get better. (laughs) But nobody's telling you how to get better. They're just telling you that you're going over budget and you're running out of schedule. I put together some Jesse style training, transitional training to get people from installation to foreman and transition from foreman to superintendent because it was better for the human beings, for my friends. And it was also better for our pockets. Uh, luckily, the organization was an employee-owned organization, and we had a, a deal where you know any money we saved overestimated margin, a percentage of that got distributed amongst the team, the project team. And so I'm not bad at math. (laughs) I just figured some things out. That led to an opportunity like speaking within local organizations here in San Antonio, industry organizations, which put me in front of the person, Mike Kyman, who recruited me away from from TD, took me over to work for Turner General Contractor, doing the lean thing, regional lean manager for three plus years, and that was really expansive experience. And I not like like it cost me more like it broadened my awareness again that I had that maybe wasn't I didn't have a total command or awareness of. COVID hit or the the lockdown hit. And so I had to work from home. That's where I started a podcast, Learnings and Missteps podcast, because I needed an outlet and I didn't have, I couldn't go to schools anymore to talk to kids, parents and educators about careers in the industry. And so I said, well, I could cry about it. I could talk about it on a podcast. So that's what we started doing. That led to me connecting with Adam Hoots. And I think Adam Hoots is who connected me with you and your podcast. Hoots and has
2: been on with us before.
0: Has he? Good. And <laughs> his new liver. Oh, I know it. He, he just got the oil change. And I talked yeah. to him last week sometime. He, he's in good spirits and yeah. he's back at it. He's threatening us with all kinds of goodness. And I know he's going to bring it. More specifically, starting the podcast, I was not happy because a lot of people, like it wasn't getting a whole bunch of downloads. I expected, you know, a million the first week. Still haven't hit it. It's been over two years. And then somebody said, well, you need to market it. Like, how are people going to listen to it if they don't know it's out there? I said, market? Like, what does that mean? Simple terms for me was post about it. and So that got me down that path of, of posting things on LinkedIn and social media, primarily LinkedIn. And I think that's when you and I, Mr. Greg, started really kind of interacting and supporting each other's stuff. And that's opened up all kinds of other doors. And again, new awarenesses of, of skills that maybe, not maybe, I know I didn't have <laughs> four years ago. I started my business about a year and eight months ago or so. And that's also been super expansive. You know, it's this interesting thing that I, I kind of get to like look at in that I started my career in the trades against what everyone else suggested or thought was a practical decision and along the way I've continued to do that <laughs> like why are you gonna go over there you've got it made over here why are you gonna quit a good job and start a company if you've never ran a company before but what happens I think for me anyways is if I just share my gifts and talents with others, and take the next rightest step. The path reveals itself and everything is amazing. And, and here I am in front of you.
2: Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but we're glad to have you. Um, <laughs> you know, while you're telling that story, Jesse, what was coming to my mind was we don't know what we don't know until we're in the midst of it. And, you know, I, I'm a lot like you. I started as an as a apprentice and I go through the apprenticeship school and then I go through, you know, some early management issues, you know, me trying to figure out how to manage me and then other people. You just don't know what you know, don't know until you need to know it. And then you got to dig in and figure it out, you know, to your point about why do you want to leave this and go do something that looks really hard and you've never done before. I don't know that there's a good answer to that other than it's just innate and you can't not do it. The energy
0: it takes to not do it is far more exhausting than the energy it takes for me to do it. I mean, that's yeah. my experience, period.
2: <laughs> I get that. I do because I flashback. I've been doing a lot of stuff lately, like working through some, some chronological things that happened in my life. Just where I could kind of, because I'm I'm kind of putting some memoirs together as I get older. It's just amazing to your point. I, it, it really never really clicked until I heard you say it. But you get to that plateau, you know, everybody thinks like growth is like this 45 degree angle. That, <laughs> yeah, we, you know, we all know it looks like a EKG instead. But you get to these little plateaus as brief or as long as they are. Until the next need is revealed and like, okay, now I need to start reading more or now I need to learn how to listen better or now I need to whatever. But you don't know that until you get to that point. And that's pretty cool the way you explained it and the way it just kind of clicked. So that's the... I mean, it's been worthwhile already to have the podcast. I love that when when things like that kind of pop out, that kind of help you make sense of how you got here and why you got here. You mentioned Lean a couple of times, and I, I'm not a new construction guy. I'm a service maintenance repair guy. Lean has always been important to me, or not always, but for the last 30 years because I started studying Kaizen and understanding Mm -hmm. G Edwards Deming and what he was trying to teach us way back when, you know, I'm kind of obsessed about it because I'll live like that now and it drives my wife crazy. Like (laughs) I'm trying to figure out the most efficient route to walk through the house because I got to go to room A, B and C and what order should I go? You know, the typical OCD stuff. But so I've always been fascinated. Like, I can just sit and watch a crane putting windows on the building, which I did when I was at my office last in Charlotte. You know, you think about 50, 80-story skyscraper and how they're planning the outside skin of the building. And there's four dudes doing it. You know, you look at the building and it's like, wow, here's an 80-story building. And four dudes hung all that skin, you know, one at the time. All of a sudden, one of the windows broke, which was kind of ugly, but it's just weird that methodically it's like they just build and they build and they build and and to your point they're just solid people man they're just good people doing that i don't know it's just so rewarding to see that when i first
0: got introduced to it i was completely on because I also, you and I are kindred spirits, right? I, I track everything. I time everything. I've got, issues, I got to find a different way. Like, how can this be, how can I do this thing with the least amount of energy or least amount of resources, least amount of time, whatever, whatever it is, I'm trying to kind of like gain or, or get back. Lately, and when I say lately, I'm going to say the last five years, what has become apparent, rather, what I can't ignore anymore is the social element of like lean in the way we interact with people. And so what I mean by that is like, yes, lean is about optimizing, minimizing waste and all of that. Um, However, you know, when I was doing lean to everybody, I didn't have a lot of friends. People are like, man, get like, just give me a break. You're relentless. And I don't have a problem. Leave me alone. So, to now kind of, I see lean as a philosophy in building problem solving capabilities within our people. One of those things, having the eight wastes as a reference and counting things and removing time is important. I know for me for a long time, I ended up weaponizing lean because all I was doing was trying to improve efficiency and output. And I never invested time and effort in making the day better for the people doing the work. Gotcha. And, and so now that I'm on this exploration of how can we start applying that knowledge to make people's day better, the men and women that are doing the work, how can we apply the knowledge such that it makes their day better, easier, and help them build the same lenses to, to examine what's going on and redesign the work that, that sucks. Like, I mean, you talked about they're throwing that skin up and it's four, six people and they're cranking away and the work can be miserable and they're going to go do the dang work. And we just kind of say, hurry up instead of saying, Hey, well, let's examine what's making the work hard on the human body because we don't have enough human bodies to do the darn work. Let's figure out what's making it hard on them. So we don't wear them out because we are exactly wearing people out every single day. And how do we redesign it and remove the burden, the pain and the work first for the worker, then with the worker. And that's when the, like, the capability development starts coming into play. I haven't figured it all out yet, Greg, but that's, that's kind of the nut I've been chewing on here the last few years. <laughs> around lean specifically?
2: I don't know that we ever have to figure it out as long as we're always attempting to. I was communicating with with a friend of mine who's a coworker over in Asheville, North Carolina. He's, He's putting together a little presentation for some of his team. And we were just kicking around some words that he wanted to use but he felt like he was using the words repetitively. So we're just kind of jazzing this presentation up a little bit, but the, the meat of the story is he gave enough of a crap to try to make the job better rather than just to your point, just hurry. Cause right. you know, to your point, and, and we talk about it a lot here, Jesse, about the skills gap and the, you know, the lack of people and you and me and a, a bunch of other people are committed to spreading the word and creating more awareness but your words were where the people out to me that means the rubber band just keeps getting tighter you just keep yes, winding Steve. the airplane propeller up it's got to fly 50 yards and it's made out of balsa wood and it's already tired but just keep cranking that damn propeller until it flies another you know 10 feet that is a uh that's not good for us as a populace because nope. people they'll burn out you know you know that you've seen it oh yeah. In order to do that, and and this is only from old age that I've come to realize this, there's a bunch of different ways to skin the cat, as my dad would have said. You can outsmart it. You can outthink it. You can outmuscle it for a little while. That's going to get tiring. So I think to your point, we're always going to be trying to figure it out. What kind of different lift can we bring in? Can we rig it differently? Can we do whatever, you know? Whatever that happens to be for that task. But, you know, to my point to Cole this morning, you know, it's it's like you're working on the problem and that's the important thing. It's not that you're a leader and you're ignoring it and just throwing more gas on the fire. You're, You're trying to put the kindling there to keep it stoked. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. 10, Ten, four. I like that. Just keep tinkering. We'll get there. You know, I mean, and that's what Kaizen is, this incremental change. You 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 do it, you you tweak it, you measure it, you look at it, you tweak it, you measure it, and, and it's perpetual. And I think that probably more so with people than that, than with processes, is that more effective? Because I think you can hit a limitation on perfection of a process. You can get 99.9 on a process and you're pretty well, okay, if we do anything else, it's going to be detrimental. But I think with people, you can, because we're always changing, the dynamics always changing, the home life's always changing. You know, my my wife was going to have a lady come over today and talk to her. And the lady had a situation came over, somebody stole her purse, you know? So you have all these things that happen to people that don't that's, happen to machines and, and processes. So and I, I just, I like the fact of being able to think about how can we keep making it better by adjusting what we're delivering. And some days that means saying a lot and some days I mean saying nothing.
0: Not just like, if I think about the individual and you know, this individuals show up because life happens and they show up a kind of certain kind of way. And that's true for every single individual that we're interacting with. The Kaizen is kind of like, how do I apply that to my thinking (laughs) such that I can be nimble in my approach so that I can connect deeply, rapidly with everybody that I come into contact with? And like you said, Greg, I'm, I'm just tinkering around and learning what works, I repeat it, what doesn't, I try not to (laughs) and keep on going.
2: I applaud you for trying, that's the key. You know, the company I work for, Service Logic, we acquire companies, you know, that's what we do. We're private equity backed and we buy really high performing, badass companies. And when you acquire these companies, it's so fun to look at the culture that you're acquiring. You know, we have 50 some odd companies and we had 50-some-odd cultures. Some are are similar. Some are way different. And like this week, I'm going to two different companies. I'm going up to Minnesota, and then I'm going to PA. And those two companies are so different at not only what they do within the HVAC vertical, but just the personality of the company. And, And that's a direct mark upon the leadership. They're both really cool, really tight companies. I love both of them. But they're different. And I think that's what makes it so much fun when we get to meet our new coworkers. when we buy them is that it's just cool because yeah. like you get another laboratory to learn and understand of what made that company special. We tend to buy really good, high-performing money-making companies. We're not buying, you know, fixer-uppers. You know what they're doing is working. You can see the math on the the financial sheet. You can see the math work, but what makes it work from the human side? What makes it work? Is it, you know, maybe this guy needed a Dodge truck and this guy wanted a a Nipco fitting or whatever. But all those little bitty nuances are what makes that company tick. What makes companies tick are people. And I just love that part of it. It's figuring, or, or not even trying to figure it out, just absorbing it. It's just, I I love the human side of it, watching it and trying to just take it in and, you know, analyze it a little bit and let it kind of soak in my, my hard head to see what can I learn from this company that they did well, you know, instead of always trying to feel like something has to be fixed because we've proven there's 50 some odd ways to do it well. You mentioned the human side of, of it all.
0: I'm sure, actually, that you've seen Jennifer Lacey once or twice online and maybe out in real life. Uh, she and I started a live stream, been a couple of years now, I think. And it was a it was a crazy idea. I uh, had these letters that were written to me. They were like Dear John letters in the relationship. And I said, hey, let, and it was about applying 5S, the 5S lean system to our personal relationship. And when I say our, I'm talking me and my ex. And I told Jennifer, I said, hey, what if we have a conversation about these and how, it, like, what it would look like applying it to our personal lives and, and professional? Okay, cool. So at first, it's like, you know, ain't nobody gonna care about this. And what we found is we started having the conversations and people showed up Saturday morning, 8 a.m. People were showing up. And after the first one, they were like, hey, are, is there gonna be another one? Like, yeah, we got five planned and people were sharing things that they hadn't shared in a long time on the chat on the internet and and so it was what we interpreted that to mean is like man there's this human side of things for whatever reason and i know i was there like i convinced myself that i just need to show up and do my job and follow the directions and you know make sure people are doing what they're supposed to be doing leave your problems at home that's not real we are human beings all the time and so that five series conversation has turned into now 2 years we got no BS with Jen and Jess and it's that it's a just just a imperfect conversation about the human side of business right because we're human beings what are we dealing with growth fear failure all the same things the most important part is we are accounting for the humanness of it and when i say humanness i mean how did i Feel what was I thinking? What did I learn? And we can all relate there, but for for some odd reason, we try to dismiss that and and suppress it to fill the job description. So I don't know. Well, what I do you think, think on that?
2: <laughs> well, I, I think it has a lot to do with the macho BS that goes with the construction and the you know I I think historically most construction has been male based and we. As our dumb selves have never thought we should share our emotions. So we walk around with all this crap bottled up inside, then we blow off and we get drunk and we beat up a door, you know, all that, all that intelligence stuff. Yes. So I think a lot of it. Now, what's funny, I've been on, you know, and on those Saturday mornings, I've been on there. People that won't tell their coworkers something will get on the internet on Saturday morning and type it for the world to read. But they won't tell about a toolbox talk. Yes, I find find it fascinating. I find it realistic, and I find it probably true to be guilty, guilty as charged. Got it. Um, I feel you but I, I really think a lot of it has to do with the historical macho-ness or manliness of the trade, uh, yeah. trades plural. I think that we're becoming much more adept, being able to say, you know what? I am having a bad day or my, I got a, my wife got a bad medical report. I'm not gonna hang 125 feet of duck today. I might get a hundred because I'm struggling. Whatever, what, whatever it is that happens, your wife's purse gets stolen or whatever, crap happens. Yes, But but the ebb and flow is the next week that same person may come in and hang 300 feet because they're blazing because you bought them a new ladder that they could move easier or whatever was the offset to the problem. If you throw all that together and you're trying together, they're trying to do as best they can. We're trying to do the best we can as leaders and as coaches and as a big set of ears to tell me what's wrong today. Um, <laughs> if you care, it usually works out. You know, nothing lasts forever, good or bad. There's always the ebb and flow of it. You ask me what I think, that's what I think. We're we're learning how to be less 28 year old macho boys and learning how to grow up a little bit. And maybe the women in our lives and our work lives that are coming into the trades are helping that to a degree as well. How about you, Dr. Gabby? What do you think about this?
1: There is definitely, and I obviously I haven't worked in a skilled trades position, but I could definitely see how with just historically it being more male would also really kind of lean towards that macho, like I'm putting my personal life aside, we're going to work. I also think the US in general, compared to other countries as well, is very, very work focused. Um, You wake up, you work, you go to bed, and you rinse and repeat. And so I think there is kind of a level of that as well, where it's like, okay, well, like, my job is to work. Therefore, like, if my personal life is somehow getting in the way of my work, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not achieving what I'm supposed to be achieving, where, you know, the mindset should be different, where it should be kind of a balance between the two. And it should be, you know what, like, I'm having a really bad day, because whatever is going on in my personal life is just really affecting where I am today. And there should be, you know, For yourself, as well as for those that you work with and around, there should be a balance and a level of like understanding that comes with that where someone can say, okay, totally get that. And when it comes to kind of coworkers too, and this does not always happen for sure, you, Jesse, were talking about relationships and applying them, you know, to also work relationships. And, you know, you say in a relationship, okay, well, like I've got 60% to give today. Can you give the other 40%? You know, it's, it's a balance. You're not always going to be 50, 50. You're not always going to be at a hundred percent. And so it's one of those things where you have to recognize that on a daily basis in a workplace as well, in a work environment, because if you can't always give a your relationship based on what's going on in your work life. Why would you be able to give a hundred percent every day in your work life based on what's going on in your personal life? And so it's kind of like there, there's a balance between the two. And I think you're definitely both right. Where it is kind of coming to a head a little bit, and there's more people that are that are kind of taking to that and realizing to that a little bit. But I still think there's definitely there's a lot of people who don't realize that or who don't maybe follow that because they still are kind of holding on to that belief that they need to come into work and be macho and give it all they've got every single day. Otherwise, they're not providing the worth that they're meant to provide to the company. And that's just not that's just not true.
2: I, I wonder how much of that we've induced upon ourselves by living on a credit-based society where people feel <laughs> financially obligated because they're They don't have a reserve for the most part to fall back on. They've got to have their 40 hour, their full paycheck, however you equate that. So they can't be vulnerable at work because they don't want to get penalized because they got to have that full check. You know, I wonder how much we've done that to ourselves.
0: I'll speak for me because I know when I, there was a time where because of my debt, I was in a situation that I had to do work that was sucking the life out of me. <laughs> like straight up, that's what was having happen- happening now, so what led to that right? I bought a pile of shiny things. <laughs> Because I needed to have them. So Gabby, you mentioned achievement, right? And that was my focus. At that point in time, and I shouldn't say point in time, it was like a decade and a half of my life. I was focused on achieving, meaning what kind of glamorous things, awards, promotions, cars, vacations, houses, blah, 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 can I get to say, look at me, look at what I've achieved. And what that did was I created a trap for myself, which was this debt that I had to pay Uh monthly, in order to pay that monthly and sustain that lifestyle i had to have a certain level of income mm-hmm. that level of income i could only get it by doing this job that that was i was done i was exhausted sick and tired of luckily along that path i said okay i don't want to live this life anymore i'm going to focus on getting out of all this darn debt because i bought a bunch of crap and i'm still not happy <laughs> like i'm feel, was this what it was supposed to be? Because I'm not digging this. Anyways, paying down all the debt, all of a sudden there was this opportunity. Uh, had a, a, a mother point to me and say something to the effect that she heard me speak about my experience with my baby brother, who's 18 years younger than me. And that influenced her to change the way she was going to move forward with her child. And in that moment... I'm like what? Like I'm just—I'm a plumber. Like what are you? I'm not a parent. You're a parent. I'm a brother. Exactly. I've impacted someone's life, and I also knew I was not going to be impacting other people's lives if I continued doing that job.
2: It, isn't this a story that? What's isn't that this story? You—you you recanted this story in the book, right? Are you told the story? <laughs> yes, then?
0: yes, that's the oh. Miss Dora story. Yes, yes, that story. I
2: remember too. it. Oh, thank you, thank
0: you for reading it. So I, shortly thereafter, paid off all my debt. And then I got to choose what work am I going to do? Uh, and it took me probably three or four months to actually like, I don't need that money, but leaving that job, I had to find myself because all I was, was my job at that point. So and back to your question, Greg, we contribute, right? We, I contribute to every success and every failure that I experience. And so the pressure, the self-imposed pressure of, having to maintain a certain income to learn, to live a certain lifestyle, that was all me. Nobody made me do that. Right. Why? Because I didn't want to wait. I wanted it on credit. <laughs> I wanted it right now and I wanted to show my neighbors and all my middle school friends how awesome I am now. Look at me now.
2: I, I think that societal pressure does add to people coupled with you want to show people the middle finger maybe for what happened <laughs> early in your life. What, whatever your reasoning. Gabby's generation doesn't think As much that way as older generations do. There's more. There's more grace given to driving a Honda, you know, Accord versus whatever Corvette, you know, whatever. The other thing is this housing cost has gotten so out of hand. I read over the weekend, last maybe weekend before last, there was sixty-some odd percent of 2021 college graduates were living with their parents or parents plural strictly because of the cost of housing not wanting to pay rent because there's you're not building equity you know that's a problem you know so you you have these societal issues you have financial policy issues that that dictate you know, cost of money or whatever, having the ability to to borrow money at a reasonable rate. There's just a lot of different factors that push people to do stuff. As a team leader, as a whatever, not even an official leader, just as a, a, you know, a tribe leader. There's a whole lot of stuff that you have to take in in order to help your team grow while you're still getting that four-inch cast iron hung. That's the price of admission. You got to hang cast iron pipe. Yes. How we do it and how much of it is how we interact with our people, which I think is a beautiful thing. Without cast yeah. iron pipe, we'd be in a world of poop, literally. Yeah, <laughs> <Ten, ten> 4 <laughs> um, I know we could, we could go for hours and talk about this, but t- I want to know what's next for Jesse. What's on the horizon? You've been doing your own gig now for a year and a half or a little bit more than a year and a half. What's next? What's on the launch pad? So there's maybe three things. One has to do with the
0: book, meaning, and like, I don't, so the answer to that is like, I don't know. I'm designing my situation so that I can be prepared for opportunities that the book may create. I just, you know, the feedback that I've gotten from folks that have read the book is that it has impacted them in a deep way. Uh, And in some cases, helped them think about things differently or change, make a life changing decision, you know, actions are a little bit harder, but, or maybe take more time to like actualize since it's impacted people that way. And that's what I wanted it to do. I, I just, I feel like I need to be prepared and have some space for whatever opportunities and doors that that's going to open. So that's one thing that's on the launch pad.
2: All right. So before you go any further, tell people about the book, where can we get it? The name of it, uh, just a little bit of, of
0: Oh, so, (laughs) so the name of the book is becoming the promise you are intended to be. It's available on Amazon. The book is it's 20 stories Real stories of what I experienced, all the way back to elementary school, and even as recent as a year or two ago. Uh, it, the purpose of the book was I discovered through the live streams with Jen, on Nobs with Jen and Jess. I'm I'm really comfortable sharing my garbage. <laughs> I, I I do because I've learned a lot from it. And so people were responding to my bone, but they are like, you're so vulnerable. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, well, you just share the stuff that you've been through and it's like not a big deal. Like, oh, and it was helping people, right? It was giving people comfort and, and whatever. So I said, okay, I want to write this book. What do I write it about? I said, well, I'll just write it about. The goal was to get the idea from achievement to contribution. What ended up happening was, well, I'll just tell me these, these stories of what I learned and how they can help people. Uh, You know, in there, there's a lot of stories connected to my struggle with addiction. Seven years sober, seven and counting. There was some major life shifts that I had to experience, but in order to experience them, I had to make some shifts in my thinking. And that's the purpose of the book is for folks that are stuck, you don't have to be struggling with addiction to get value out of the book. But if you're stuck, with anything, you're going to find something in the book to help you get unstuck.
2: <laughs> so that's, well, you know, I read the thing over, it's 151 pages. So yep. it, it's a, a good couple of night read for me. You know, I do about 50, 75 pages a day, but it's just interesting as hell because you kept wanting to go to the next story because you left enough Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs <laughs> that I wanted to keep going. I encourage everybody to buy it, uh, buy yeah. two, share one, because it, it it really is a good book. Well done. So congrats on that. All right. So one thing is to leave room for, for whatever comes down the pike. You want to be ready. Give yourself yes, some work Yes. There.
0: So that's one. The yeah. other two is I've started the, this community. of We call it emotional bungee jumpers. Jen and I have been doing that for over a year the idea behind emotional bungee jumpers is helping don't tell anybody because in the like if the name doesn't terrify you (laughs) i'm gonna terrify you more get a lot of feedback about the name they're like "Jess," like that name just i like i don't even want to know emotional bungee jumpers it's a community and we are working to help people get closer to themselves (laughs) Mm. right like it's an exercise immediately drives and amplifies your self-awareness. In terms of how we listen, and I don't use the word communicate because when people hear communicate, they think talk. We get to learn real quick how, how big a gap we have in our listening capabilities and how our behaviors, our natural inclination to attack and solve problems forces disconnection from the human being in front of us. We do that through simple exercise. Problem owner, coach, an observer problem owner shares a problem. Coach, you're just supposed to ask questions, no advice, no solutionizing, no solution shanking, and and there's some violations, right? No closed-ended questions, no leading questions. Then people are like, "Oh my god, I don't, I don't, that's all I ever do." Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The observer is watching the coach and writing down their violations, and then they got to give them feedback, and that's what we do. What's happening is when the person shares their problem, that's a rep in vulnerability, saying. I have a problem, whether it's a walk in the park problem or a real life serious problem, doesn't matter. It is an act of vulnerability. My experience was I was horrible at vulnerability because I didn't have a problem. And that's kind of a joke, right? And I never raised my hand and said, My name's Jesse, I'm an alcoholic. My name's Jesse, I'm an addict. I wouldn't do it. Finally, I did. And guess what happened? Nothing. Like the sky didn't fall down. Nobody judged me. I started feeling better. And so I got reps and reps of reps of saying, hi, I have a problem or hi, this is what's happening. This is what I'm dealing with. And I think that's where the whole vulnerability thing that people point to came from because I had so many reps. The communication piece and asking questions, we become aware of, I'm not connected to you, Greg, or you, Gabby. I'm only interested in the problems and and the things that I can go fix And so we don't really get to connect with one another because I'm not connected to you. I'm connected to the problem and the value I can provide. Anyway, which sounds like super complicated. It's not, but that's what happens when we do this thing. And I feel, I believe 100% and several people have said that this exercise in this community is what can Mend the the broken people that we have in in the construction industry, and it's not just for the construction industry. This is a universal thing, but most of us are construction folks, uh, so that's one big thing that I want to see explode and and grow. The other is sweat equity improvement, and I, I was kind of it's my understanding and preferred way of applying the lean stuff, mm. and it's really about how how many people can I Introduce to this thinking and way of studying work and redesigning it to better serve the men and women doing the work. Both so those, you know, emotional bungee jumpers and sweat equity improvement, they're probably both of them are less than a year old. And they're not things that I invented, (laughs) right? These are things that I mix, smash different deals and observations that I had and said, Oh, it's not the process, like you said, Greg, the process is the process. There's a point of diminishing return if you want to make the process better. Well, what about the social piece? What about the human piece? And so that's kind of where I'm maybe putting my flavor to it. And just like my story has been, I can't say where I'm going to be except that I know if I continue sharing my gifts and talents in service to others, the path ahead of me is far greater than I can even imagine right now. And I know that because that's, that has been my experience for the past, let's just say 10 years.
2: Well, I think that that's awesome that you're able to be at peace, not knowing what you're going to be doing. You know, I think that, you know, speaking of vulnerability, that's, pretty vulnerable to be able to be confident with that. It really is because of, you know, our lives are supposed to be so damn scripted and we're supposed to have this figured out and we're supposed to do this and go there and have this and to be able to be comfortable with who knows is pretty cool, you know? Yes. My wife and I were talking this morning about, we, we've had several people this year that have been in our life that have been diagnosed with cancer or have had cancer treatments or what have you. Some of these folks that have been going through these struggles, to see the peace that they're at and being at peace with not knowing is remarkable to me. And I I just, I I put so much, I don't know what the right word is. It's just so cool to see how at peace these folks are not knowing what the outcome is, but being secure where they're at while they're going through a hard time. It's just remarkable. So congratulations for you for being able to to do that, first of all. We look forward to watching and seeing where it winds up, and maybe uh, you can come back later and give us an update on what's going on in the crazy world of emotional (laughs) bungee jumping. I love the name, you know, because (laughs) it sounds just wacky enough for me to want to be in it. It, This is good. It's good stuff. As we, as we begin to wrap this thing up, I do want to just take a moment and say thank you again for coming on and sharing your story with us. Uh, I hope people will go out and buy your book. I'm not getting any spiff, people. Don't think I'm making money on this. Um, I've got some friends who will heckle me. On message in the day. It's just a great book. I think it helps people uh, really come to terms with some things they might be thinking through in their life through your struggles and through your victories both. So thank you for that. Uh, Jesse, what's the best way people can get in touch with you? Is there a website you like for people to land on or what's the best way to get?
0: Yeah, the two best ways is website depthbuilder.com. Um, and you can get all the stuff there. The other is LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn at Jesse something or other. Um, you're, you're Jesus. That's right. I'm, you. That's right. Thank you. Jesus, Jesse Hernandez, Jr. Cause Jesus is go. my real name. Actually, I got to say that cause my mom will be mad at me if I don't, I mostly go by Jesse, but my name is Jesus Hernandez and I'm on LinkedIn all the time. I mean, I'm, po- I think I post every day for like six months now. Uh, and they haven't cut me off so i'm gonna keep doing it
2: (laughs) you must be paid up on your prime subscription (laughs) premium premium subscription well jesse thank you again appreciate it uh gabby i know that uh this has been certainly rewarding for me i've been watching your face through this and it looks like your your happy meter has been going off in a positive way so i think you've been soaking this up pretty well today
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have really appreciated listening to Jesse, your point of view on things and also just kind of all the work that you've been doing coming from all the different places that you've, you've been and all the things you've experienced in your life and kind of taking that and putting a positive spin on it and saying, Hey, this is this is what happened to me. This is what I learned. Maybe you might find something valuable. From this? And if so, I'd love to hear from you. Let's work together. And then taking those experiences and building things like emotional bungee jumping and things like that. It's just really cool to hear about, you know, especially as someone my age who I'm only 23 and the world She always
2: so- throws that in, Jesse.
1: <laughs> had You had to let us know. Huh? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but I my just, I feel like I feel like I'm still entering the world, honestly. Uh, It doesn't really feel like I've found my place in it yet. So to kind of hear your attitude towards life and hear about your experiences, it's really nice to kind of have that positive spin on it, where you're like, I'm not worried about what's next. Like, it's going to be good. As long as I just do the next right thing, I've got it. And so I think that's a really positive mindset. And so I feel like that really resonated with
2: me.
1: So That was awesome, yes. I
2: mean you should be like that big red check mark on that one. (laughs) well thank you again. Uh, Uh Gabby, if you could please lead us to the barn door and we'll we'll put a bow on this puppy.
1: Absolutely. Well, Jesse, thank you again for joining us. It has been great meeting you and talking with you and hearing about your book, hearing about your experiences, and we hope that you'll come back and share what ends up happening in the future and where it where it leads you to. As for everyone else, thank you for joining us for another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. For more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe through Apple or Spotify podcasts and don't forget to check out gregcrumpton.com for all of your Greg Crumpton content.
2: This, this is Straight 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 out of Crumpton with your host Greg Crumpton.